three, two, one. Wagoneers, welcome to another Friday edition of the Little Red Bandwagon, a show about the show Too Beautiful to Live. On Mondays, we recap last week in TBTL, and on Fridays, we bring you a different type of show focusing on what the tens want to hear. Sometimes it's a well-produced clip show put together by Anne, the icing lady. Sometimes we put a spotlight on one of you, the tens of listeners, but today is the fan favorite First Friday with Phyllis Fletcher. Hello, Phyllis. Hey, Christy. That was quite a tongue twister. <laughs> yeah, good job. I'm impressed. <laughs> I learned um, in all my new social media training that having alliterations uh-huh. really gets people to like things and retweet them. So there you oh, go. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually true. It's just something that someone said once. And so now everybody thinks it's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're always hard to say. Right. Yes. Well, so I'm taking over Mike's role today. So while we have you, yes. you're in Houston. I am. This is exciting. It's only my second time here. And I just, as we speak, uh, have returned from dinner with Eddie the Houston Maxwell. Oh, we, we <laughs> love her. I know. It was so fun. It's only my third time meeting her. Um, I met her for the first time at the 2000th episode, and then I hung out with her when I came here a year and a half ago, and um, I, I'm here again for work, and so I texted her and said, hey, I'm coming back, and w- could you have dinner again? And she said yes, so my friend Mark and I um, and Eddie all went out to dinner. The three of us went out last year, and we went out again tonight, and it was really fun, and um, you... Um, I'm sure any Wagoneer uh, has at least seen Eddie around in the Stens page and maybe interacted with her and maybe even heard her on LRB. And another really fun thing about Eddie is she loves Rush, the band. Yes. And um, my friend Mark asked her who Rush is, which was really Oh, no. Funny. Was he joking? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was like, who's Rush? Well, that's kind of fun she got to talk about it right (laughs) yeah and and being eddie she's super nice so she's she's probably encountered this before so she just said it's a rock band from the 80s and you know like that was that was it was like oh okay and then i was like come on you know and i started to try to sing tom sawyer (laughs) which is actually really hard to sing it turns out and he just looked at me like i was insane and so i was like i'm gonna play it for you on the way back to the hotel so i found it on my phone and i played it for Mm -hmm. him i was like he was like oh i know this this is heart and i was like no first of all this is rush second of all this is a dude and he was like get out of (laughs) here he couldn't believe it (laughs) Oh my gosh. He was singing along and everything. Like he knew the song, but just the whole time in his life, he thought that it was heart and didn't realize that it was actually Rush and that they're dudes. Oh my gosh. That's really funny. What's funny about Rush, specifically that song, is that you either were in the 80s and so you know it because it was all over the place. Yeah. Or it's it's, um, one of the hard songs to beat... um, rock band or guitar hero so that that song has made like a resurgence because of that oh my god super hard to sing and to play yeah 
it's like on expert level guitar like it's crazy that's so crazy. That's really funny. <laughs> that's but funny. more importantly did you have some queso oh my god i've had back-to-back queso nights and they're both yes. delicious so tonight we went to chewy's um we went to two chain places so tonight uh was chewy's night so that's where we met eddie and um it was delicious and you know when it was when the guy was like any appetizers i was like oh do you guys want to get some guac and eddie was like oh no i don't do guac and i was like or queso and and she was like oh yeah i'm into queso i was like all right we're doing it again so we we got queso tonight last night i went just with my friend mark to torchies which i know you guys went to for the austin that's my favorite oh my god it was amazing it was my second time there i realized um that uh i had i had gone there mark had taken me there last year so um I definitely wanted to go back. I had not remembered the name, but then I realized, oh, yeah, this is where Christy and Jeremy went uh, Mm -hmm. in Austin. At least twice. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't blame you. I would totally go back. And like we got the queso. We got it hillbilly style. So it had chorizo in it. It was amazing. And we were so full. But the thing about the queso at Torchies is they put a little tiny bit of like, like spicy hot chili oil on the top. Mm-hmm. And A, that was delicious, but B, this morning we were texting each other about um, our challenges in the bathroom. <laughs> it came back to haunt you? Yes. <laughs> it was so crazy. Like, I knew we were both going through the same thing, so I texted him. He was like, oh, yeah, that was me last night. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder if the chorizo, if it was the spicy chorizo. It could have had because something Because I didn't have that it. problem. Oh. I didn't have that problem at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it could have it could have been just everything, but also like combination. Yeah, and our tacos came with something called Diablo sauce, and I only put a little bit on mine, but he like wasn't really thinking about the fact that it was called Diablo sauce, and he put a bunch. <laughs> that on means his. devil. So yeah, like we kind of got bit twice. I think. I mean, I definitely noticed it with the queso, but it was a small amount. But the Diablo sauce that it could have just been the one-two punch that like put us under yeah it was all of it i usually (laughs) have when i'm traveling a um no chain restaurants allowed right kind of policy yeah but mike explained to me that torchies used to just be a food truck in austin and it's gotten huge so that i gave that a pass okay because it's a local chain that i would have been so sad if i didn't get that queso Oh, totally. Yeah, it was amazing. And then it's funny because so I'm here for work. I'm teaching. I'm part of a group that's teaching. And there are a couple people um, in the on the teaching side of the group that uh, are from uh, they're from Denver. And so when I was like, you know, oh, I went to Torchies, they were like, oh, we have that in Denver. <laughs> I was just thinking, brag much? Like, oh, no fair. Man. Like, I wish we had it. Like, they were just excited <laughs> for me that I was excited about it. But I was just like, yeah. they have it in Denver? That's not fair. But now I know they have it in Denver. So if I go to Denver for work or something, then You're I'm going to look for Torchies. Yeah, it's good, man. But we do have taco time. That's true. We do have that. <laughs> if Taco Time had queso, it would be a perfect place. Yes, yes. You would you would just have to, you know, it would be different. It would be like, it would be the, um, you know, kind of toned down version of queso. But it would, right. I'm sure it would still be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about in the, in the chat is mm-hmm. that 
that's one thing Seattle lacks. And so I don't know if queso is a Tex-Mex thing and we don't really have Tex-Mex food here yeah. in Seattle, really. Yeah, that may be it. I mean, I'm sure there's like a place you could get it, but it wouldn't be the same. Like it every Texan yeah. I know <laughs> who lives in Seattle just makes their own queso. And that's actually how I first had it was at someone's house in Seattle. A, a guy, my friend's husband is from uh, it's from Texas. And so he just makes it and it's very good. All queso is welcome at the LRB picnic. I'm just saying. Yes, the <laughs> LRB picnic. Oh, I can't wait. Friday, August 18th at Woodland yes. Park. So you can spell queso with a Q like normal, <laughs> but most people won't land on Q. Um, yeah. <laughs> or you can spell it C for cheese. Yes. Or D for delicious. Yes. Of those. <laughs> or K for K-A-Y-S-O. <laughs> Right, for the yeah. uh, American way to spell it. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, I noticed there's, um, I was telling a Spanish speaker that I had gone to Torchies, and she, the way she said it, it sounded a little bit more like queso. And I was like, oh, Ooh. that's like, that's probably the real way to say it. But I didn't want to sound ignorant and be like, wait, what? So right. I just noticed <laughs> she said it slightly differently and it sounded so like beautiful the way she said it. So yes, I, I was, I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to eat it again. So here I can hear yeah. someone say it again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Delicious. So yeah. why are you in Houston? I'm teaching, um, with a project called next generation radio and, um, it's a it's a program that started with NPR and there's a guy now who contracts out with NPR to produce these one week boot camps all around the country several times a year. And so um it's it's really great. He basically um partners with a radio station to sponsor it um or a, a broadcasting organization or something like that and um they they um match up either college students or early career uh, radio or journalism people, um, they partner them up with a more senior mentor one-on-one. And um, we usually do um, six six students on the one-to-one ratio. And so um, it'll be a student and mentor. The student will pitch a, um, a story that can be done from the city that we're working in. And um, they produce the story in a week. So they produce a, a four-minute radio story they write a web story and they take pictures um, and they might also like maybe take some video and they'll be doing social media throughout the week. So they, they get this kind of well-rounded experience um, producing a story and I'm the managing editor of the project. And so um, I'm like giving direction um, and um, doing just different editorial things and um and then when they're ready for their pieces to be edited, I'm the editor. And so I give everything final approval before it gets out there. And then um, so they start their reporting um, on Monday and then they have their finished pieces by Friday. And we have like kind of a little finishing ceremony where we play them all and and people talk about what they learned. It's really, really great. And so um, I at work, I hire a fill in to do my regular job for the week while I come and do this. And, and I really enjoy it. Did you leave all your expense report for your fill-in to do? 
<laughs> no, no, I, that's one of the things I have to do myself. Darn it. Oh. So <laughs> I took care of those before I left. Thank goodness. And um, so that's, that's a cool thing too, for the person who fills in for me is they only have to do like the fun, cool parts of my job. They don't have to do the mundane, annoying fiscal parts of my job. So (laughs) I'm hoping that she's having fun too. My fill-in is actually somebody really cool. If you've listened to NPR for a long time, you've heard Joanne Silberner. She was a global health correspondent for NPR for decades. And um, she left NPR several years ago and now she lives in Seattle and she's filling in for me this week and she's doing a great job. So yeah, I, I feel pretty awesome having her do my job while I'm doing this. It's really cool. <laughs> so are the are the things they create going to be on NPR? Um, you know, they might be on some NPR stations. It would be very unusual for NPR to pick up one of these stories, but um, a lot of times some, some pretty big stations pick them up and uh, Public Radio International sometimes picks them up. So you just never know. That'd be awesome to get to hear one of your stories. Oh, yeah. You'll be able to hear them all because um, we also put all of them online. So Ooh, um, I really want to yeah. hear them. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link out there. Perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a long clip today. Should we get yes, we to do. it? Yeah, let's get to okay. it. All right. So um, I'm excited about this one. So <laughs> this is from a night when uh, Jen was out on vacation uh, camping. But Luke had some guests in the studio. He had Addie, his daughter, and he had <laughs> Mike and Emily. Um, they, he had them in the studio on August 1st, 2008. And um, it was story time. So he told the story of back in 2001 when he was doing stand-up around Seattle. And um, it was those little raggedy-ass stand-up nights that he's talked about before where very few people come and it's mostly comedians performing for each other, but that's how they kind of work out their jokes when they're just starting out. And so he just, he did one of those in Seattle at the Comedy Underground and this guy came up to him uh, and said his name was Mr. Mookie and said, would you, he said, I'm putting together a comedy night the night after Thanksgiving in Tacoma, would you come and do this? And Luke said, uh, yeah, how much does it pay? And Mr. Mookie said, five bucks. <laughs> and Luke said, sounds great. So um, he had to come up with about 10 minutes, which was about three times as long as he had um, normally performed. And um, he was going to be performing in front of many, many times more people than he normally did. Um, but And he was nervous about that, but he decided to go for it. And the night came, the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, he was driving there from his parents' place. And all the way there, he felt sick. And he tried to figure out a way to get out of it. But eventually, he made it to the venue. It's like a Best Western hotel, but I think it's not actually affiliated with the Best Western anymore. So they've just painted over Best, so it's just like Western you know, when like people like it's. I'm sorry, you don't have the right to. Uh, you don't have the right to call it Seven Eleven anymore. So you paint over the seven, and it's just called Eleven. It was like that kind of a situation. They'd been decertified. I'm pretty sure, and there was no one there. It was abandoned, and I had this moment of real excitement because I thought, "Oh my God, they canceled it, and like I'm free." But then I look up at the reader board, and I actually see. That it says, comedy tonight, Mr. Mookie. And I realized that this is really happening, okay? So 
I had a little tape recorder with me, um, which I recorded myself um, before, like, this is me sitting in my car. This is 10 years ago. This is 22-year-old Luke Burbank sitting in his car about to go do stand-up comedy um, with Mr. Mookie and his friends. Okay, I'm recording into this little handheld thing because my uh, my dad machine says it has water in it and it won't let me record, so this is the best I got. I'm sitting here outside of Copperfield's restaurant and lounge um it's attached to the best western tacoma inn and uh i have this feeling right now like it feels exactly like when i was in seventh grade and i played baseball and without fail every time i was about to come up to bat i felt like i had to pee my pants so bad and it was so distracting that i didn't get one hit the entire year because all the while i was sitting up there i always like. By the way, I'm looking around. I'm whispering to myself into the tape recorder in my car. Like, I don't know what I think is going to happen, but I'm so terrified I can't even speak in a normal volume speaking voice because I feel like if I do, people are going to hear me and, you know, they're going to make me do stand-up comedy. I was about to pee my uniform. I have that same sensation right now. I feel like I'm about to pee my pants because I'm so nervous about this. We are in the not very nice section of Tacoma. We're by the King Oscar Motel, which is on the right, and on the left is the Tacoma Express Inn, and across the street is Crossland Economy Studios. So it's like, for all these people who are living in hotels, this is kind of their stomps. Um, and the sign, by the way, on Copperfields, much to my actual relief, reads... I'm lying there. I was not relieved. Mr. Mookie, comedy night. 11.23, 8 p.m., so that's tonight, and I, uh, apparently there's going to be a few people here, I'm not really sure what to make of it, so, anyways, uh, I'm going to listen back to this with great interest when this is all done, but as of right now, I'm basically scared out of my wits, and uh, wish me luck. Okay, bye. So I get out of my car, I walk in there, and it was, again, there was like nobody in the place. And so I thought maybe even though the sign said Mr. Mookie, maybe it got canceled. And I go in and there's like a guy who's, um, you know, like a busboy or something from the uh, banquet room. And I go, uh, is this the comedy night? And he goes, no, they canceled it. And I'm like, yes. And then he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. They're doing it. They're just nobody's here yet. And it was like I went from it was like it was like I was sitting in the electric chair strapped in. And then they were like. Ring, ring, it's the governor. No, it's not. It was the, like, the most, it, it was just, it was, that was uncool. That poor guy, he didn't know, he didn't know how much he was messing with my mind, but he was. All right. I go into the banquet room. I'm the only person there. And then Mr. Mookie shows up. Hey. And he doesn't actually know my name. Like, he doesn't remember it or anything, but he says, like, Lou or something. I say, hey, Mr. Mookie, how you doing? And so, we talk a little bit. I go, it's still happening. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The people just haven't showed up yet. And then the people do start to show up. And um, a guy comes through the door, and he's like a big guy, and he's got a fur coat on and like a fur hat, like a wide-brimmed hat that has fur around the edges of it. And he has like four girls with him who are – It's this is winter. This is the day after Thanksgiving. He has like four girls – who are, like, one's wearing a Band-Aid, I think. One is, you know, wearing some dental floss and two pecan shells. Like, I don't know if pecans even have shells. 
You're from the South. Do they have those? They have shells. Okay. They're not wearing much, these ladies, is really the point I'm trying to drive home here. And I think that's an interesting family situation there. (laughs) And then he goes and sits down, and then another guy in a fur coat comes in. This one is like a money green fur coat. You know, fur is already a... It's not a supernaturally occurring thing. You have to do, you know, you have to kind of kill the animal skin. But then there's an un, there's unnatural furs, and this is an unnatural like someone had to spend hours dyeing this fur money green, and he has matching shoes, and he has a different kind of crazy hat. This one I don't think has fur on it, and he's got like four girls with him, and they go sit down, and slowly the entire ballroom fills up with pimps, and their ladies. And I realize I am not only the only white performer, not only the only white person, like, slash non-pimp in the hotel, I might be the only white person in this area code that I'm in at this moment. And everybody's in sort of high spirits, but I look over uh, at one of the other comics who's about to go up, and he looks at me and he goes, I shouldn't have done this. He's an African-American guy. He goes, I shouldn't have done this. I go, why? He goes, I did this last year. These guys are brutal. (laughs) I was like, thanks for the pep talk. And so, have I mentioned I was wearing a t-shirt that said Jesse Jackson 88? (laughs) I'm not kidding you. At this time in my life, I loved this t-shirt that said Jesse Jackson 88. And I wore it all the time. Not to be racist, I just wore it because I thought that it was it was kind of funny, and um, I don't know why. You know, I was into like ironic T-shirts, so I would all the time wear that. This was kind of my stand-up comedy T-shirt. If I was doing comedy's most eligible bachelors, if I was doing queers three-dollar bill, if I was doing urban comedy, I had the Jesse Jackson T-shirt. It was kind of my lucky shirt. As I look out at this sea of drunk now pimps, I start to feel like the Jesse Jackson t-shirt, is possibly a bad idea. I think, can I take it off? But then I'm wearing this kind of smallish jean jacket, which would mean I'm going to be have to button it up. I would have to go on, either I go on stage with a, a seemingly racist t-shirt, or I go on stage with a jean jacket that's just buttoned up over. Like a village person. As yes. one of their ladies. Yes, precisely. I either get to go up as a hooker or as a racist John. Um. I, I had that moment that I've actually had a few times in my life where I thought, I just have to leave. Like, I just have to get out of here. Like, I don't care about the $5 anymore. I don't care about hurting Mr. Mookie's feelings. I have to get out of here. This is going to be an unmitigated disaster. The DJ comes up to me, the guy who's playing all the music, the sort of interstitial stuff, and he says, uh, you know, what song do you want me to play you up with? And I go, I'm not kidding. I go, do you have Why Can't We Be Friends? <laughs> and he just kind of looks at me and he goes, I don't think I have that song. And I said, okay, just pick pick anything. And so Mr. Mookie goes up and does some completely incomprehensible c- comedy. I don't mean like because he's African-American or something. I mean because he was so incredibly high. Like he had, he sounded like Larry King actually doing a nighttime call on radio. He was just talking absolute nonsense. Then the guy who told me how bad the crowd was, he went up and um, 
he wasn't drunk, but he, you know, didn't exactly warm the crowd up for me, maybe because he was really terrified. And so it was like with every joke that that he does, I realize that's one less joke he has in his act. That means that's one step closer to him being done with his act. That means I'm getting one joke closer to going up there on stage and really right, right up until the moment, right up until the moment when uh, they actually call my name, I was really planning on leaving. But the reason I couldn't was because I had this uh, fancy digital tape recorder that I had put up by the speaker at the front of the stage because I wanted to record the performance because this was my the first time I'd ever been on stage in front of like a real group of people getting paid five dollars mind you to perform stand-up comedy so I needed this for my reel I needed this to send to the tonight show but what I realized in the middle of the show or in the, in the middle of the show before I, I actually got to go up was I can't leave because my tape recorder is like it's like me and then all the pimps and then my tape recorder so like and people have been kind of looking at me like, why is there a white guy in a Jesse Jackson t-shirt pacing with obvious terror in his eyes in the back of the room? So if that same guy then went up to the front and like got his tape recorder and like left, I didn't know if Mr. Mookie was going to come after me. I didn't know. I didn't know. But I, I was I was terrified of staying there and I was terrified of leaving. So I just waited and waited and waited and then it was time for me to go up. So the guy in front of me finishes. He gets off the stage. And Mr. Mookie, this was the guy who had wrote me into it. Mr. Mookie takes the stage. And my heart is beating out of my chest. I'm trying to be cool. I'm, I'm very serious. This guy came all the way from Seattle. He worked on a radio station called KWL or somebody good. We're going to start listening to it. I forgot because, you know, somebody just served me. Give it up for Lou Fairbank! Now, what's happening there is I'm entering the stage doing the running man. I running manned from really the back of the banquet hall all the way to the stage, onto the stage, and up to Mr. Mookie. To get the microphone. And the, my logic was, uh, I'm either going to be the like nervous, scared, w- you know, weird non pimp here, or I'm going to just go, I'm either going to have to run away from the situation or dive headlong into it. And I decided to dive headlong into it. Um, and, uh, I'll take you Now, Now, it should be mentioned that in my times doing uh, open mic, I had, you know, a little routine worked out. I usually had, um, I would open with the same thing. I don't even remember now what it was, but, you know, I had my little, my little shtick. Um, In this case, I decided at the, like, as I was running Manning onto the stage, I decided to open up with, um, with something new. And that was, what's the deal with white people? I don't even know what he's talking about, but he's but he's tweaking, so I don't want to. Ooh, woo! There was one more swear word in there that I just just caught. Sean, can you turn this thing off for one second, and I'm just going to play it past that swear. 
You're go ahead. Okay. Ready? Res- resume. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Re- you're good. Okay. A what? Is that English? And now at this point, okay, so I'd say a little thing, Mr. Mookie, hi, whatever I say. He had been joking the whole night about how he was tweaking. So then I thought, uh, and people were laughing, so I thought, I'll do the same thing. I'll say, he's tweaking. And it kind of got a little bit of a laugh because they just, people at this point, I think were just like, it was like, it was like a two-headed person had just wandered in and started doing Rodney Dangerfield material. Like you would kind of be at least interested in that because it's so bizarre. All right. So then I'm now thinking, do I, do I go with my normal plan or do I go with the newly hatched plan of what's the deal with white people? Seriously though, what is up with white people? I'm just asking though, because I mean, you know, uh, I went with door number two, which, um, which was not well received. I would not say, I would not say it was uh, a successful joke. <laughs> now I should also point out that this sounds, it sounds, it sounds worse than it is because I was miking the speaker. At least this is what I tell myself. Like the microphone I had was just up against the speaker, so it was mostly hearing me. So there was some laughter with the pimps. And their ladies of the night. There was, there were, they, people were laughing. People were kind of feeling it at the beginning. Um, so I started in it doing my little, my little material, my like, uh, political humor and this, that this was, I was for some reason, um, really into doing jokes about Afghanistan. Here's some of that. Everybody's freaking out about what happened on September 11th. There's, you know, open with the September 11th joke, strong. Saying that we've got to like bomb Afghanistan into the Stone Age. Here's the problem with that. Afghanistan is in the Stone Age. Have you seen, has anyone watched the news? Look, if we bomb these fuckers more into the Stone Age, we're going to bomb them right through to the future. (laughs) I I don't even know how that works, but I know it's not a good thing. So I'm doing my normal jokes. They're getting a kind of a sort of decent response. But then I realized that what I have to do is I have to really start kind of, um, just, I don't know how to say this, but like vanilla icing it up. Like I, I, as the show progresses, I start to kind of act a little more like the sort of, you know, that white kid that you grew up with who thought they were black. I start to kind of do that a little bit more and people are totally reacting. Like people are starting to kind of eat it up. I'm saying like for shizzle and people are dying though. Like, like I, like at one point, this one like pimp is talking and I tell him to like, I, I tell him to shut up and then I lead the whole crowd in like a cheer and then he's laughing and then they're laughing and I start to get kind of like accepted by the crowd. And I don't know if you can really tell from the tape, but, but because the, the laughter, I'm not kidding. The laughter sounds quieter than it was. There was really some laughter going on, but I started to kind of like build up my little like momentum with everybody. Like three months ago. Huh? Yeah. Come on, give me some on. Show your love. <laughs> I don't want to be like that one white comic they let on Showtime at the Apollo. Like, what? The? He gets like two jokes out and the clown yanks him off stage. I got married like three months ago. And, uh, and that's great because I was the worst dater in the entire world. Um, you know, I think I'd probably been married for like two years or something. But, you know, in comedy, you've got to keep it... 
You gotta keep it topical. I think that was my only segue into some joke I had about dating. By the way, for the record, some of this is some of the worst stand up comedy that's ever been delivered. Ever. I I listened to the entire tape and it's like I'm saying I'm doing all the worst comedy things, which is like, has anybody seen what's the deal with this? And has anybody seen this? And also the classic. If you're ever at a stand up comedy show and the you the way you can tell if the comedian is really losing their train of thought or doesn't know their next joke or is really off their game, they'll say, Crazy. That's like the worst, because they'll just be like, they'll say, you know, whatever, da-da-da, joke, and then no one left, and they'll go, ah, it's a crazy world. <laughs> That's a stand-up comedian who is trying desperately to kind of uh, get it together, and I was using I was using all of those, all of those, uh, you know, arrows in my quiver. Now, Adzi, you actually had the, uh, the fun job of h- helping, because I was doing other stuff, you kind of loaded this this audio tape into the computer. So you listen to the whole performance, right? Mm-hmm. What about it disturbed you the most, do you think? Like out of all of it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I just didn't, I noticed as the, as it kind of, as you got, as the tape kind of played on, you were, or as you got more into the show, you kind of were doing this, like, trying to talk like a black person thing that I've never heard you do before, ever. So that's well, not... A little part of me died that night. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that happened that I, I vowed I would never do again. But like, does it, when you listen to the tape, does it not really sound like me? Other than the fact that it's, I'm 22 years old. But also, am I like, I'm basically trying to act like some different person? Yeah. And you just, I don't know, the, the jokes and the stuff you were saying was different than, you know. What than you my normal now. sense of humor? Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to do what I had to do, Eddie, okay? Right. You weren't there. I know, I'm sexy, I agree, but for some reason, they weren't feeling it, the women, that is. Apparently, you have to, like, be, uh, you have to look good now for people to want to date you. I looked good for, like, 10 days. It was in 1996. I was 20. Basically, December 11th, 1996, my skin finally cleared up, and December 21st, my hair started falling out. But I had like 10 days in there. Was, oh, man, it was off the chain. You would not even believe it. For sheezy. I mean, come on. You're like, that white guy has BET. He must. Oh, I have to hit up on that. Someday, the S word won't be, uh, won't be swearing anymore. It's too bad, too, because we just dumped over what was probably... The high point of the entire show, which was me <laughs> saying, for sheezy, my kneesy. Well, I'd always go to these clubs where everybody was like, guys were wearing, has anyone ever seen someone in this shirt? By the way, terrible stand-up comedy setup. Has anybody seen this? Wearing like a mock turtleneck t-shirt? What is that like? Oh, dog, man, it's, it's so cold. Am I Randy Jackson? Before Randy Jackson was even invented? Maybe Randy Jackson stole dog from me because this was 10 years ago. Hold I need a turtleneck, but it's so hot, I need a t-shirt. Pimps love mock turtleneck-based humor. <laughs> they just love it. All right, so I, I'm, I'm terrified now to play all this tape because I don't want to play too many swear words, but... As it got further into it, I'm not kidding you. I know that everyone here is mortified at my performance, and so am I to a certain degree. But people really started to get kind of into it. Like, 
People were laughing. People were going with me. I was feeling confident. My heart rate had returned to something that somewhat resembled a normal, you know, human heart rate. And I got ready for my big finish. And the basic joke was, I hope there's not swearing in this. We'll play it. It was about, I had a, a copy of the Stranger Personals and the Alternatives, right, which is the like people that want to meet up for all kinds of weirdness. And we'll play this and hope it's not super profane. I mean, the personal ads are not even the bottom of the barrel. The personal ads is like you turn the bottom of the barrel over and you're scraping below what was the bottom of the barrel. I mean, these people would, I, you know what, I got actually, I brought one of these in. Just as an example of the people who would not call me back. Uh, <clears throat> this is an ad I responded to. I want to beat you with a dead fish while you wear a pelican mask. <laughs> Wait for it. I was savoring, I was actually savoring this moment because it was the last joke. <laughs> I was done. And this was the one joke that I had actually told that had reliably gotten a laugh in my entire life. I'll back it up even so you can hear it in all of its grandeur. While you wear a pelican mask, This is seriously, I have to say, this moment in time that you're hearing, this five seconds, or whatever it is. I'm like Mark Wahlberg when he overslept for one of those 9-11 planes, right? I'm like the most relieved human being on the face of the earth because I have face down what to still this point in my life is the most terrifying experience of my entire life. I have actually gone on stage and done it bad quasi black affectation and all. And now it's finally over and it was almost worth it. It was almost worth it just for how unbelievably happy I was to tell this final joke. While you wear a pelican mask, No freaks. <laughs> hey, you guys, my name's Luke. You've been real nice. Thank you very much. Give it up for Luke. Luke Burbank. Y'all give it up for Luke Burbank one more time. And that's the story of the night that I did comedy at a pimp convention. So no matter how uh, unfortunate things get sometimes on TBTL, no matter how much we uh, have computer meltdowns and uh, guests don't show up, I can always think to myself, I'm not at the Western in South Tacoma, scared out of my mind, trying to do comedy to a bunch of pimps. Although, footnote, at the end of the show, I came down. Everybody was really nice. Everybody clapped. Everybody seemed to have a fun time. As I was trying to leave, and the show was over at this point, I was surrounded by people saying, that was so great. It was so funny. And this one lady who clearly was not part of the pimp economy, because she was maybe like a 50-ish, mid-50s African-American woman. Yes, she was. Somebody's got to keep track of that sweet, sweet lucre. She was talking to me 
like about how funny the act was and she really liked it and this and that. And her friend said, you know, come on, let's go. And she went, I'm trying to talk to this white boy. <laughs> Which was like the most awesome compliment I've ever gotten. So <laughs> I love, I'm trying to talk to this white boy. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. That's how much do you want to attend the pimp convention? I I want to attend, but I want to like I want to be either doing banquet service or somehow hiding in the back. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> these guys are crazy. Like I um I mean it's and this is obviously like a very lighthearted, hilarious look at pimp culture, right? So so we'll right. just we'll just put that out there right now. Right. Um, um and um I've seen the documentary American Pimp and you know it shows all aspects of it, but part of it is definitely this like kind of charming, aggressive sense of humor. Um and I can see why Luke was terrified to go up in front of these guys once he realized this is what this was. Um, but I got to give it to him. I mean, he didn't get the hook. They were laughing. He had this crappy tape recorder that was, you know, just, it was primarily to record himself. So he had it pointed at the monitors. So I'm sure he's correct. Even though comedians always say, Oh, you couldn't hear it. Like more people were (laughs) laughing. Like, I'm sure it's true that, that more people were laughing than you can hear. And, um, you know, they were laughing and wanted to talk to him afterwards and right. so I have to give him at least a nine on that, like as as goofy and as like, oh, God, you know, kind of cringy as it is at sometimes like they were laughing. So I got to I got to give, give it to Luke. Good job on that. Right. I Well, I wrote a note. Do you think they were laughing at the concept <laughs> of him? Or actually his jokes or kind of both. It's got to be both. Because, I mean, the T-shirt is ridiculous, right? So, And I think it was actually a good call to wear that shirt because he's kind of calling attention to the fact that just by being there, he's kind of a white guy who's trying to be down. But right, it was unintentionally there. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, he, at the last second, he thinks it was a bad idea. And, I mean, doing the running man out there is definitely terrible. But they thought it was funny. You know, he was like right. kind of turning it up to 11 that mm-hmm. he's this, I'm sure at that time, scrawny, scrawny young white guy um, right. just willing to put it out there, you know. And um, and I've seen white guys perform pretty well under those circumstances. And I think part of it is just that, like, people are kind of recognizing, okay, you do have balls to be here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, it right. it does take a, a set of steel ones just to come up on the stage. So, um, like, I've seen that. I went to um, Amateur Night at the Apollo when I was in college, and there's always, like, a white guy comedian. And when they kill it, they kill it. So I'm like, wow, good, good for him. Pretty good job. Right. And uh, I kind of like so he started off like white guy white yeah. you know white people am yeah. i right yeah but i'm so glad that he went away from that yes because he didn't have enough material to do no. that. it he probably could have done it yeah and especially coming out the way that he did and if he if he would have just nailed it with the white people jokes but he didn't yeah. have that stuff prepared no so i'm glad that he just went with his normal stuff that he you know tried and true yeah um but he, Addie is very right that he took on some kind of weird accent. Yeah. That was kind of Southern. Yeah. But I, I just, and mostly because we hear his voice 
like 10 hours a week right yeah we're yes. we know that's not his accent no ever that monstrosity <laughs> was is not normal <laughs> so great and i love that he asked her that too because he knew it was bad he kind of touched on it but then he was just like right. um so what did you think and she just like called it out and i thought that was so yeah. hilarious because i mean it is bad it's like ridiculous but I can see how that would happen because, you know, he's kind of, he's nervous and like, it's easy to take on whatever the speech pattern or accent is of the people around you. Like Mm -hmm. living in New York, you might start to talk faster. Um, And I definitely like one of my best friends from college was from Texas. And if I were just hanging out with her for like several hours in a row, by the end of the night, like I would be talking like her. And mm-hmm. I could kind of see how it, like, how it could happen, but it it does sound kind of bad. But it's the so difference funny. is, the the difference is that I do too. I mimic accents after a while. I I don't know why it happens or how it does, but I just do. Yeah. But the difference is, I'm talking to people. He didn't right. interact with anyone <laughs> except Mr. Mookie. <laughs> Mr. Mookie. Luke Burbank. <laughs> I love how the guy like doesn't know the call letters of Cairo. Right, he's like K pieces of yeah. something. Yeah, you guys so will figure we it out. Start, we'll start listening, listening to it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is this when he was working at Cairo? Because if it is, these people, if they tune in to listen to that kind of radio will be very upset oh my god you know what that's a good point i forgot this is when he was at kuow oh okay (laughs) which is another huge radio station up here but it's very true that the audience is very white and very seattle centric like i get why the guy didn't know the call letters but it's hilarious that like he didn't write them down or he's like k k something we gotta start listening to it (laughs) well kuow is a lot different than cairo though because at least with cairo it's conservative radio them like we need to get the homeless people out of the city like come on i know I mean, most of uh, us hate listen to it still, right? Like right. sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, this would have been so. Um, I'm pretty sure, by the way, he describes his 9/11 joke, and by the way, he told it. Um, probably it was Thanksgiving 2001, so that would have been like his last year at KUOW, uh, about a yeah. year before Rewind was canceled, the humor show that he worked on. Um, AK two months after 9-11 he's making 9-11 yeah, jokes I know, I know. so crazy <laughs> oh, but you know I mean that's you got to do that I guess you got to do that edgy stuff you know right. if you want to if you want to put yourself out there but I mean it's overall you know I gotta say he did he did a good job and he powered through and they were even clapping at the end um, and, you know, the lady probably was clowning him a little bit when she said, I'm trying to talk to this white boy. Right. <laughs> but, you know, he liked it. He rolled with it. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, I I love it so much. Um, I, I, I've seen him do stand up maybe twice. He's oh, really, really good at it. Yeah. I think he, he um, one time it was just him and one time he emceed a show. And okay. I think he does better in the MC because huh. I think that's actually harder that is to hard. do yeah um but also he kind of tends to 
even though like some can argue he tells the same stories over and over again um but i feel like he tends to go oh i was just telling someone this story the other day and instead of it with stand-up you have to go in and act like your audience has never seen you before never heard you before and all the stuff is new right? right yes and i think that he kind of tends to want it to be fresh and new every time yeah so yeah. the mc position is like very good for him and if you know live wire doesn't pan out or whatever he could definitely do that again oh yeah he's good yeah i saw him once um and it was probably maybe a year or two before this story happened that he's describing and it was a comedy night at the place the comedy underground where mr mookie met him um and it was a comedy night of rewind people um so it was bill radke mike frizzell's friend um and it was john moe who um luke also used to work with and luke and like a couple of regulars on the rewind show and I don't remember Luke's act specifically. I mean, this was almost 20 years ago, but I remember having a really, really good time. And I know if anyone had been whack, like that would have stuck in my mind. So I'm sure he was good. I mean, he was holding his own with these other comedy dudes. So pretty good. That's a great skill to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing I wanted to talk, I'm talking directly to Emily right now, Uh is that at one point... um, (laughs) Luke asked if pecans have shells. (laughs) I want to know why Emily didn't call him out for saying pecan wrong. (laughs) She might have been a little nervous. Um, That could be. Yeah, I think one thing that and also I don't I don't know if her mic was on the entire time. So it's possible that she might have started to say something and uh, had thought, oh, it won't actually go out on the air. But I... when I was uh, prepping this segment, I heard that, um, of course, probably partly because Jen wasn't there on this night, things were a little hectic, uh, as mm-hmm. you could hear in the segment, <laughs> that uh, he didn't complete bleeping out all his F words and S words. Yeah, he didn't and, even edit it. Yeah, he he did. He He did. And he just, he missed a couple, which is real bad. And Sean had to hit the dump button twice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Luke was running around editing this tape at the last minute. And um, and he because of that, he didn't even get to, like, you know, really t- chit chat with Mike and Emily before they went live on the air. Like he didn't get to go out, bring them in, say hello. How are you? Like he just like hurtled into the segment. And so um, that might have been a little <laughs> a little nerve wracking for everybody. But I would yeah. love to hear the full 10 minutes, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I I think it's so great that he taped himself. I wonder if he was taping this, like, you know, just in case it was useful for This American Life or something. Um, because he had produced that story on the guy who dressed up as Superman, like, maybe mm. f- four years before this or something like that. And um, he might have still been pitching Ira at this point. So, um I mean, some people take themselves just to get better, but I think he right. might have been trying to put something together around it because he was also taping himself in the car. Yeah, that that was really funny. And I love, well, he sounds so nervous. Oh, um, yeah. In the car. And I love that he goes, okay, bye. Like, yeah. as if he's on a phone call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So great. <laughs> <sighs> 
Yeah, yeah, that was that was amazing. I'm I'm so glad he did that. And yes, I would love to hear the whole ten minutes. So Luke, I wonder uh, if he still has it. He must. I mean, he must have it on something. Um, the question is what, but because um, it sounds like maybe that was just a little micro cassette recorder or something. Right. But yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God. And uh. is that the only one he has left? Yeah. Because if he taped himself regularly, yeah. was this... Yeah. I love it. I love I it if this was the first time he taped himself and it just ended up being this crazy experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got to dip into the archives at some point and, you know, bust out some more weird stuff because there's got to yeah. be more gems from this era of Luke's life. <laughs> so amazing. That's I wish great. it was video because, you know, that's the thing that <sighs> comics do now. If you yeah. go to a comedy club, especially if it's like an open mic, you'll see just uh, one of those GoPros in the lining the back, tor- oh. pointing towards the stage of everyone just trying to tape their thing. Or yeah. like iPhones with the um, those little, whatever they're called, tripods. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sitting on a table or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's smart. I mean, that's. That's basically how they get better, I'm sure, because it's similar kind of to radio where the way you get better is you air check yourself or you have somebody air check you and you just you listen to your performance, especially if it's live and you, Mm -hmm. you know, take very detailed notes and very specific notes on, you know, how you could have done it better. And then you try to actually be better the next time. And it's it's something I actually respect about comedians that they actually do that they don't just go based on how it felt up there or what their friends say they actually observe and try to improve so i say good for him so overall it's you know as as um as as uh as as embarrassing as it is in a way to listen to it i gotta give him props overall that he even just did this it's amazing oh i know yeah he could have run i like that he said i could have run yeah, <laughs> but then my tape would be up there, and then what would that That's look like? Right. So embarrassing. <laughs> so he was scared either way. Yeah, yeah, he was embarrassed to leave. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, have you ever had stage fright? Oh yeah, I mean, I've done things where I've um told stories on stage or um read my diary on stage, and always like mm-hmm. right before it, I'm like, oh god, or even sometimes when I have to go live on the air, like why did I say I would do this? But then once I'm actually <laughs> doing it, I'm fine, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that seems to always be how it goes. I guess I just get that little burst of adrenaline right before I do it, and then mm-hmm. then I'm okay. Yeah, for sure. I I had extreme stage fright before Bobby and I went out on the stage at the 2000th show. Oh, God. Yeah, I Um, bet. And I was like, (laughs) we got in early. Nick Jarn let us in. And I just was pacing. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, I had extensive notes because if I can just like go to the notes, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, And then I got up there and you can't see anything. No, you can't. You can't see anybody at all. It's nope. perfect. So yeah. then you're just talking to the people <laughs> on the stage. If yeah. someone had told me that, I mean, because you always hear, pretend everyone's in their underwear. Well, my imagination isn't that good. Okay. <laughs> so I can't do that. Yeah. But if someone would have just told me like, you're literally not going to be able to see anyone. Yeah. I would have been fine. Yeah. So it was just, fine. you know, me and Bobby <laughs> talking to Luke and Andrew. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, that was great. 
Yeah, that's yeah. that was good too because you were facing them. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I did have. Um, I actually was asked to do a show where I came and talked about um, my former boss, which was crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. Um, and you actually came to the show. Yes. You and another friend and Jeremy. And I was so nervous. And I was I was writing and rewriting what I was going to say and listening to everyone go and changing changing the theme of what I was going to do. And then I didn't get called up. And I I definitely had that a roller coaster of emotions like oh god they're gonna pick me i'm gonna be next it's not me it's not me and then up and down and then i was like really disappointed when i didn't do it oh i was when so I... you might remember i mean or else you know your own emotions might have been um you know kind of appropriately blotting mine out but i was super angry at those idiots and i was like do you want me to ruin the show right now because <laughs> I will ruin their entire recording right now. And like, if you had given me any indication of a yes, it would have been on like Donkey Kong because I was so ready to just wreck their shit. Because you don't do that to somebody. If you're producing a show, you don't bring them and then not call on them. And I don't care what they said afterwards about how, oh, you didn't check in, so we didn't think you were here. No, it's their responsibility to find out if you're there or not. It's not your responsibility to make sure they know you're there. No. Right. I was so angry about that because <laughs> I was looking forward to your story. I so, know. and you, know. you and Jeremy were so oh. mad. Oh, I was And I just furious. was more embarrassed. Like, oh, Phyllis came all this way on a weekday. <laughs> like, so embarrassed. Like, the whole thing. No. And, like, I had told everyone, I'm going to be on the radio. Like, it's going to be this whole thing. And then it doesn't happen. No, you oh, just don't so do that. To, they're the ones who should be embarrassed with their raggedy asses. That was crazy. Well, and I remember, I remember only one of the stories was actually good. Yes, <laughs> I do remember that, and it was it was the woman, right? Right. I mean, yeah every every dude who went up there and ran his mouth, including the hosts, terrible. were terrible. And the only yeah. people who seemed to semi have it together were women. And I was just like, oh, Christy's actually going to make this show good. <laughs> and like they didn't call on you they're such morons so overall it's their loss and it was a cool venue i'll at least give them that like yeah. i enjoyed the spot and it was fun to the go cheese out was good yeah cheese plate i enjoyed that but no you gotta i mean because it's it's not you know like i'm fine with the fact that oh i showed up and you know whatever like i i don't have a problem with that but like you prepared you know i saw you were very very ready to go and like yeah people do get that adrenaline rush and then if they don't actually do the thing like that adrenaline is just floating around in their body for nothing so yeah i shake my fist at them officially and i would not (laughs) do that to someone that's crazy (laughs) i know and you produce a show what you at least one well, yeah, yeah, I pr- I co-produce a couple of shows. So one where people do kind of what they were doing, where people get up and tell stories from their lives, and another one where people read from their old diaries. And yeah, to us, that would be a major mistake if we had somebody there who was expecting to perform or read, and they didn't. And I don't believe any, I don't believe we've ever done that. I would be surprised to find out if we had. Um, mm-hmm. But we would have just bent over backwards to make it up to the person including booking them on our next show if uh if we had done that like that's 
crazy. You just don't do that. <laughs> I can't crazy. wait to, I'm going to see your, one of your shows one of these days. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're fun. I'll, I'll put that out there. So one of them is called a guide to visitors. That's where people tell the stories. And, um, the diary one is called salon of shame. And, um, I encourage you to find both of those on Facebook and keep up on the dates and, uh, come to our next show if you possibly can. They're really fun. They look fun. I wish I had kept, well, my, the only time I ever wrote in a diary, I wrote, um, what my favorite Saturday night live skits were that week and who had, <laughs> and who had won the, uh, WWF, whatever it used to be called WWF yeah. fights that night. That's amazing. <laughs> See, that would be a great diary reading. I mean, so many of these are right. just, it's hilarious what kids think is worth writing down. <laughs> And what the time capsule nature of that is at that time, you know, a lot of this, you know, a lot of the people doing the readings are anywhere from like, you know, their early 30s to their sometimes early 50s. And we've had a couple people who are older than that. But because of that, a lot of the stuff is from the 70s and 80s. And it's it's amazing time capsule stuff. It's even the stuff from the early 90s. Is, it's really surprising what people were into. So it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to go see it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I tried to find Mr. Mookie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Looks like the last time he did a show that I could find was 2014. Okay. And the best part is he calls himself the mayor of Tacoma. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Mr. Mookie, the, the, a.k.a. the mayor of Tacoma. Oh, At least my he God. Did back then. So I don't know. Well, if he performs again, we'll have to make that some kind of Wagoneer outing so we can check him out, see how he does now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I I do love when Luke said, that that white guy has BET. Yeah. Because <laughs> he said for sizzle. For sizzle. Yeah. For sizzle. God. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's a nut, man. I know. Yes. <laughs> this is great. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Did you have, do you have anything else? Man, I'm good. I, I, I think know. we gave him a good one, man. That's such a good one. I totally yep. forgot about that show, <laughs> that night, that whole thing. Thank you so much yeah. for bringing it to my memory. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right, let's get to some housekeeping. Yeah. We already touched on it a little bit, but the LRB picnic is next week. Mm -hmm. at Woodlawn Park. We'll have more information probably on the Facebook page, but we're in picnic spot either number six or number 16, something with the six. Okay. We should have that. <laughs> cool. No, you'll see us. Yes. We'll all be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go to our website, littleredbandwagon.com, Facebook on the Sense page or Little Red Bandwagon. Um, our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 802-432-TBTL. And also send us your throw your phone moments anytime you've had a put up or a put down for TBTL this week or even LRB. Or if you have your favorite LRB moment of the year, we'd like to put together an end of the year show of all of our bloopers and best parts and low parts. So why don't you go ahead and send those to me? All right, Phyllis. Nice. Ready to get out of here? I am. Do you want to do me? 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I will. Okay. Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Luke. Aw. And Jen and Mike and Emily and Addie. We love all you guys. Exactly. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm trying to talk to this white boy.